the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study verse by verse, chapter by chapter, with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez in the book of Deuteronomy. God had reminded the next generation of Israelites that they were to worship Him wholeheartedly and to worship Him alone. No longer would they be journeying in the desert wilderness. The Israelites were on the cusp of entering the Promised Land. But once in there, they were to continue putting the Lord first. This was included in their sacrifices and offerings, their dealings with one another, and in how the leaders lead the people. We look at how the Levites were to lead the people in the worship of God as we join Pastor Will in Deuteronomy chapter 18. Remember the whole theme of the book of Deuteronomy is loving God supremely. The nation of Israel, they're about to go into the promised land. Moses is about to die. He can't go into the promised land. And so this is kind of his farewell speech, his last gift to the nation of Israel as he prepares them, not just to go in and take the land, but then to live in the land. And so Moses has been teaching Israel how God's commands apply, will apply, once they've settled into the promised land, because they're going to be different. The commands are the same, but how they live them out will be a little bit different once they're in the land for some of these things. They won't all be camped around the tabernacle, they'll be spread out throughout the promised land. In the last couple chapters, we've looked at how being spread out like that would affect their judges and kings, if they have a king. But tonight, we're going to look at how it would affect being a priest or their prophets. And priests and prophets are a little bit different than the civil leaders. These are the spiritual leaders of the nation. And they were responsible for not necessarily keeping the peace and settling disputes amongst people, but they were responsible for telling the people what God was like. There's a lot of views on God out there today, aren't there? A lot of ideas on on what God is like and who he is and even if he is. And so how do you know which ones are correct? If Israel turned to the wrong people to find the answers to those questions, they'd be deceived, right? And it's true for us too. So as we look at the laws that govern priests and prophets, might we learn some principles tonight about how we can find the right answers in our crazy world. So chapter 18, verse 1. Now the priests and the Levites and all the tribe of Levi, they shall have no part nor inheritance with Israel. They shall eat of the offerings of the Lord made by fire and his inheritance. Therefore shall they have no inheritance among their brethren. The Lord is their inheritance as he has said unto them. So here we get to the idea that there will be no divvying up of land for the priests and the Levites because their inheritance will be the Lord. Serving him will be their inheritance. That's their gift from God. The differentiation between the priests and the Levites, they're all Levites, but the priests were the descendants of Aaron, the brother of Moses. So they're Levites with a different responsibility that labeled them as priests. All Levites weren't priests. All priests were Levites, though. Now, the Levites, the rest of them, they were the assistants to the 
priests. They would help with tear down, set up, transportation of the tabernacle. They would be the first contact for worshipers. If you wanted to bring an offering, they would be the first ones to inspect it to make sure it had no blemish. And that way, any obvious things would be caught before it got to the high priest. And he would, of course, be the last one to inspect the animal. They would basically be that first line of defense to make sure that you weren't approaching God in an unclean or unbiblical manner to keep wrath from coming upon Israel. It says here that they will have no inheritance with Israel, no part. The word their part means no parcel, no plot of ground. They'll have no hereditary possession of property that they will pass on to their children. Now, the Levites did have cities. They didn't just live out under the stars. They had cities. They had land. They even had herds. They would be given 48 districts spread all throughout the other tribe's land. They would not have a specific plot of land that was theirs. And those lands that they would receive, they were communal. In other words, a, a Levite would have his own personal home inside the city, but no one owned personal property for crops or herds. There would be this area, this zoned-off area around the city within a tribe that would be their land for their herds grazing and stuff like that and to take care of them. It was a shared property surrounding the city. So you would not, are not allowed to have your own land, even though you obviously would have your own home. And therefore, you would not have any land to pass on to your kids. How are they going to provide for themselves then? Well, because of this, the priests and the Levites were to be provided for by the people's offerings. It says, they shall eat of the offerings of the Lord made by fire and his inheritance. If someone tithed an animal to the Lord or a crop that could be sacrificed at the altar, then the food would be distributed amongst those who are currently serving in the tabernacle. So if you were assigned to serve at the tabernacle for a two-week period or a month period or however long it was, you would eat of the food that was brought there. So if they brought an animal and sacrificed it on the altar, your lunch, your breakfast, your dinner was came through the offerings. If they brought a tithe of their grain or their some other crop to the Lord or of the vine, if they brought wine or something like that, that would be your drink. And so that's how they would be provided for while they were serving in the tabernacle. If someone brought an animal like their firstborn that could not be sacrificed to the Lord, or it was a crop that was just brought you know, as an offering to the Lord, but not to go on the altar, but just like a tithe, then it became part of Levitical herd or food store, because you have millions of people bringing stuff. So that would be divvied up evenly amongst all the Levitical cities to provide for those who were then serving in their tribal lands. So because not everybody could serve in the tabernacle, and their job was if they weren't serving in the tabernacle to teach the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, wherever they were placed within the tribes, to teach them God's word, to teach them God's law. Obviously, the Levites would have to assign some of their people to take care of those donated herd animals, but the majority of Levites, if they weren't serving in the tabernacle, they would be teaching the people God's law. They were not to pursue their own career or their business interests. They were to trust God to provide for them as they served the people. And God says he set it up this way because he was their inheritance. He says, therefore, they shall have no inheritance among their brethren, verse 2, for the Lord is their inheritance as he has said unto them. It's interesting in 1 Peter 2.9 and Revelation 1.6, it says that we are a royal priesthood, a kingdom of priests, right? We may have jobs, we may have homes, we may have investments, but our primary goal is to be his ambassador to the world, to tell people about Jesus, to make disciples. And I would ask you tonight, as you're being faithful at your job, you need to be faithful at your job, you need to work hard, you need to do your very best. As you're doing those things, you know, though, are you remembering you're an ambassador for Christ? A lot of times I'll have people come to me and go, Pastor, you don't know how hard I have it. I'm the only Christian at my job. 
I'm like, well, praise the Lord, man. God's obviously sent you there. You're his testimony. You're his light there at the workplace. You're the one he sent to be his ambassador there. Instead of kind of being bummed out, then look at it and say, hey, you know, this is, this is part of my mission. It's part of my goal. Yes, I'm going to do the best job I can here, but by my conduct, by my behavior, by my attitude, by my words, you know, I'm to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. And so, you know, I ask you tonight, is, is that your primary goal to be a witness for Christ? Or are your other pursuits your primary goal? You know, we're a kingdom of priests and we have a responsibility to represent God to people and the people to God. Make sure you're praying for your coworkers. Make sure you're praying for your neighbors. You know, I'm praying for Pastor Tom to get saved every week. Just kidding. You know, seriously, you think I'm kind of shy and that's fine, but you can do so many things to minister to the people there. Pray for them. Pray for those crazy coworkers, the ones especially that drive you nuts or give you a hard time and always ride you about your faith. You know, just pray for them. Live out love. Live out Christ. And then when he gives you the opportunity, be bold, you know, and lay hold and be obedient to what the Lord tells you to say. Now, in verse 3, it begins to explain the, the priest's portion of meat that they would get. They didn't get all the food. It says in verse 3, And this shall be the priest's due, his fair or rightful portion, from the people, from those that offer a sacrifice, whether it be an ox or a sheep. And so what do they get? They shall give unto the priest the shoulder, the two cheeks, and the maw. It's interesting. The word here for sacrifice, it means more than just offerings. It means the festal meals too. Like sometimes you would come and you'd have a big, huge feast. You wouldn't offer everything to the Lord, but you'd have a big, huge celebration. Well, they needed to get some of that too because there'd be more priests there during those big celebrations. So this is the portion that they would get. They would get, it says, the shoulder, which is the front leg. So you got a big old leg bone. They would get the cheeks, the jawbone, the meat that was around there. And then they would get the maw, which uh, King James says the maw, but that's the stomach. We would call it like the breast meat. That was usually the best meat. And they would get that. The first fruit also of your corn, of your wine, verse four, of your oil, and then the first of your fleece, of your sheep, uh, shall you give to him. So the first fruits of all their, their tithes, of all their, their work that they do, they would get the sheared wool, the first fruits of that that they would do when they would have the sheep shearing season. This way, the priests and the Levites and their families would be clothed and fed, and they would be able to even sell those things to purchase other necessities. For the Lord, verse five, it says, your God has chosen him out of all your tribes to stand to minister in the name of the Lord, him and his sons forever. It was so they could do the work that God had called them to do, just as everybody else could do the work that God had called them to do. What if you were a Levite and your heart was moved to serve the Lord in the tabernacle full time? Let's say you said, well, Lord, thanks for providing me with a home over here, but wherever the tabernacle goes, I want to go there and I just want to serve people there. Well, he could do that. Look at verse six. And if a Levite come from any of your gates out of all Israel, where he is sojourned, where he's been living, the Levites sometimes would move around depending where the greatest need was amongst the tribes. There was never one big dominant tribe. They kind of fluctuated in population. And so sometimes there'd be a greater need and Levites would be asked to move up here or over here to this different district that they, it was a Levitical district so they could minister to the people easier. But in that sojourning, if he decides and he come with all the desire of his mind unto the place which the Lord shall choose, that's a code word for just the tabernacle. The place which the Lord shall choose is wherever God decides the tabernacle is going to be in the promised land at that point in time. If he decides he wants to go there, well, verse 7, then he shall minister in the name of the Lord his God, just like all his brothers the Levites do, which stand there before the Lord. If he just loves serving God's people there, 
then he's not to say, no, you can't do it. It's not your turn. He wants to do that full time than he can. So if he decides to move his family to wherever the tabernacle is, and again, this would kind of be a a step of faith. This would necessitate a kind of almost like a Bedouin tent kind of lifestyle. Instead of living in a home, he says, don't turn him away. Let him serve. And then take care of him like you do the rest of the Levites who are serving. Look at verse 8. They shall have like portions to eat besides that which comes of the sale of his patrimony. In other words, the home that he had in that Levitical city. He wouldn't just leave the home because, I mean, you know, if you own a home today, you know you need to take care of it, right? If you don't take care of it, it starts to break down. I'm not the best homeowner. I'll make that confession. And uh, and so things tend to break a little bit more around my home from time to time because I'm not giving it the proper care it needs. I'm getting better as I get older and learning, you know, how to take care of things better. But the idea is if you just move out and you come back, it's not going to be like you left it. It's going to be musty and moldy and it needs to be cared for. So you wouldn't, just, especially back then, you would not leave a home because they weren't as dry. They weren't as uh, safe to leave unattended. So, you know, they would usually sell their home or lease it out. And so they say, don't, don't think, well, he, he got money from the sale. We're not giving him part of our food. He says, do what the law says and take care of him. When we look to the New Testament, pastors and church staff members are certainly not priests. The Bible very clearly says that we are all priests unto our God. We all have the responsibility to represent God to the people and the people to the Lord. So yeah, I always laugh when people find out I'm a pastor and they'll, oh, you're a priest. And I just, no, I'm not a priest. I'm not your go-between between God. You know, I don't have a red phone in my, I know this is a shocker to some of you. I don't have a red phone that I can just go, okay, God, I just, so-and-so talked to me and we got to talk about this. Every one of you have a red phone, all right? We all have a red phone. There's only one mediator between God and man, and that's the man, Christ Jesus. But while that is true, both Paul and Jesus, Paul in 1 Timothy 5.18, Jesus in Luke 10.7, both of them quote from Deuteronomy's commands regarding God's people providing for God's ministers. So the goal is the same. God wants them to be able to devote all their attention to doing that ministry, just as God wants you to be able to devote your attention to your job. He doesn't want you to be divided between 8,000 tasks because you won't be effective at any of them. And so he wants those who serve him to be provided for. This isn't always an awkward topic for me to bring up as the pastor. I'm a full-time pastor here. I receive a paycheck here, and I'm very grateful for how generous all of you are and how obedient you are to the Lord. But I have to teach what the Word of God says. And so it's important to understand that the New Testament does teach this. There are t- from time to time, I'll see people, they get all upset about a pastor taking a salary. Or pa- I, I, Yes, Paul did work other jobs, but that was never his goal. He had that skill set, so he could do that. So if they couldn't take care of him, he wouldn't have to be a burden on the church. But the idea is if the church can take care of of those who are serving there, they should do so. You know, I've always, the churches I've been a part of and pastored, they've always felt ashamed when they couldn't take care of, you know, their staff or, or their pastor because they felt like that's our responsibility. And it's a great source of joy to them to see that the leadership and their families are taken care of. And that's the way it should be. We should always have a joy in our giving and be generous with it. Now, with the priest serving at the tabernacle and the Levite sharing God's will, God's standard, and God's heart, his law, with his people, Israel would have everything needed to live life in a way that pleased God. They didn't need to go anywhere else for answers like the rest of the world frequently did. And so in verse 9, the Lord begins to list the forbidden ways that they're to seek God. 
They can go to the priest. They can go to a Levite to hear what God's word says. But here's where they're not to go. Look at verse 9. Now, when you are coming to the land which the Lord your God gives to you, they didn't have this problem you know, out in the desert because they're all close to each other. You know, if a witch came wandering in, you know, or a charmer or an enchanter or a necromancer or any of the things we're going to list right here, they came wandering in and said, hey, anybody, you know, business is open, the stones will start flying, and business closed. So there was no way that anyone could get away with that. But again, now being spread out throughout the land, there may be a pocket of areas where these people could thrive. And so Moses tells him, when you have settled down into the land which the Lord your, God, Lord your God gives to you, you shall not learn to do. The word there means to imitate or copy. You shall not imitate or copy the abominations of those nations. So in other words, the nations, the Canaanites, the various kinds of Canaanites that were in the promised land that Israel is about to drive out, they did things that were detestable and repulsive to God. That's what the word abomination means, something detestable and repulsive to God. So what were these awful, awful things that the Canaanites and the rest of the world did? Well, we see here in verse 10, there shall not be found among you anyone that makes his son or his daughter to pass through the fire. That's the first thing. Passing your son or your daughter through the fire is a part of Molech worship. Now, Molech uh, was one of the three primary pagan deities in the region. You had Molech, Baal, and you had Ashtoreth. When we talk about the groves, that's Ashtoreth. It was a very sensual kind of worship. You had Baal, which is kind of like a Zeus kind of worship that was there in the Middle East. And then you had Molech. And Molech was the god of pleasure, money, prosperity, good business, all that kind of stuff. And if you wanted to make sure that Molech took care of you, you had to make sure that you gave something to him first. And Molech was always a big, huge metal statue with his arms out like this. And they would heat his arms up till they they were burning red. And then you would bring your, your child and you would sacrifice him on the arms of Molech. They would just incinerate there on the arms of Molech, burn to death. And this child sacrifice has been confirmed over there. They found what they would do is they would take the remains of the child oftentimes and they would, you should always do this with your firstborn. You would put the remains of the child in the foundation of your home and it would guarantee Molech's blessing upon your home. Now, disgusting, yes, detestable, repulsive. They were not to do this. That was a no-no. You don't need to give something to God to get a blessing back from him. God is gracious. And so he says, I don't want you doing that. Now, it's very sad and just sickening to me. There's a group in the northwest of the United States. It's kind of weird out there anyway. But uh, up there, they have a group, and they actually go out into the forest, and they have, they have a statue there to Moloch, and they burn a child in effigy. They don't burn a real child, but they, they take a child, and, and they make like a little doll that looks like a child made out of yarn and stuff like that. And they go worship Molech in this grove, and they burn the child there in effigy. You think this stuff's crazy, and it's just something that happened, you know, amongst like tribal people, crazy people, people who didn't, didn't have education or whatever. It's funny when you see these guys that were interviewed on 2020, a big, huge interview. They, these are educated people, doctors, they're college professors. I mean, these are not somebody that comes out and their hair's down to here and like, ooh, 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 yeah, we worship Molech. Nothing like that. These are people you would not normally think anything weird about if you ran into them on the street. And so that's still around today. But it was big time back then. He says, don't do that. Secondly, he says, or someone that uses divination. Now, divination is the practice of predicting the future or finding out things you could never naturally know by studying signs or omens. So if you are 
a regular reader of, I don't even know if they do this in the newspaper anymore. Do they even make newspapers anymore? But they would have that astrology column, uh, not astronomy, astrology. That's a no-no. You don't need to do that. If you need to have wisdom from the Lord, you can go to his word. You can go to him. You don't need to look at your sign, find out what the stars are saying. You know, Leo is in, in conflict with Capricorn. And so make sure you're not, you stay away from the boss today. That's, that you don't need to worry about that kind of stuff to guide your life. You can trust the Lord that he loves you and he's going to take care of you. Next, it mentions an observer of times or an observer of times. It's actually one word. It means to practice sorcery. This would be casting spells or things like that for the purpose of predicting the future. So different than astrology, but has the same purpose. You you don't need to do that. You don't need to whip out your Harry Potter stuff to try to figure out the future. Next, it says, or an enchanter. Now, an enchanter would be someone who would study omens or signs to learn the will of God. So this is someone that you might go to and say, you know, I need to find out what what the gods want me to do. And this person would go, well, you've come to the right place. So tell me about your problem. And they would say, you know, tell me about how your last week has gone. And this has gone on and this has gone on and the crops failed and this happened. They would say, oh, the crops failed. Well, did you notice that the crops failed in the same week that this, this, and this happened? And you'd go, ooh, you're right. Okay, I need to pay a little bit more attention. So I'm out of favor right now with the gods. Yes, you are. And it's because you did this. And if you'll just make a wonderful donation right here, I can get you back in favor with the gods. All right, that's what these guys would do. Next, it says a witch. This is someone who would use drugs or potions to alter their state of consciousness for greater enlightenment. Now, I realize that not every single person who uses drugs for the purpose of altering their conscience is because they're looking for greater enlightenment from God. But can I tell you something? That's how a lot of people do it. Talk to anybody when that culture started becoming prevalent in our country. They were all into that, all into that stuff. That's where it comes from. In the New Testament, it talks about how you know, lists liars and murderers and everything. And then it says those who practice sorcery. You know what the word for sorcery there is? Pharmakia. That's an interesting word. It comes where we get our word pharmacy from. It's those who, practice, who use drugs for the purpose of altering their state of consciousness. God is never okay with that. We're always to be, the Bible says God has not given us a spear, but a power and of love and of what kind of mind? Not an altered mind, but a sound mind. People drink, they, they get involved in, in drugs, all sorts of different things to escape their situations, to kind of become numb to the pain that they're experiencing. And I, I do not want to be uncompassionate toward that. I get it. I get it. It hurts and you don't know what to do and you don't know how to deal with it. But God's desire is that he would help us through that, not that we would look for something to numb it away. Because the truth is, no matter how numb you get, the problem is still there. And the pain will be waiting. And you cannot self-medicate like that forever. You'll kill yourself. So whether it's a small way, I, I, you know, the whole idea of like marijuana use today, and, and they say, well, you know, man, it just, you know, it makes me calm. And I'm like, that should be an indicator that something's not right, that something's not right. My doctor came and told me, and he said, uh, came to him with some symptoms, and he checked me out for some different things. And he says, you're fine. I said, you sure? I think something's got to be wrong. I've got these symptoms. He goes, you're fine. And I said, well, what is it then? He goes, you're stressed out. And I was like, stressed out? I'm cool, Will, man. I'm not stressed out about anything. I'm just real relaxed. And he goes, look at how you're breathing right now. And I was like, <laughs> he goes, you're stressed out. And he asked me, he goes, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a pastor. And he, he was a Christian. And he goes, you're not, you don't think you're stressed out? <laughs> and I said, I don't perceive myself as stressed out. He goes, most people don't. 
He goes, but you are. He goes, and again, being a believer, a brother, he said, you know, you need to trust the Lord with some things. And he goes, and you need to chill out a bit. And it was good. He gave me some things that could help me do that from a character perspective. You know, he didn't prescribe marijuana to me so that I could relax. If you're being reliant upon substances to help fix the challenges you have, you're not really dealing with the issue. Now, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not telling you to go off your bipolar medication or anything else. That's not what I'm saying tonight. But I am saying this. The Lord has answers. And if, if you, you know, are in bondage to those things, that's not God's will or God's desire. God wants to give you a sound mind. And I've never met a person who wouldn't dig into the word of God and wouldn't begin to renew their mind that didn't find a healed mind. And that comes from people who've dealt with depression, who've been bipolar. I've seen people come from every background when they embrace that truth that God has given us a sound mind and that through the renewing of his word that we can renew our minds and heal our minds through the word of God and we can find peace. I've never found somebody who's not been successful in that who believed that and, and put their heart into that. So I want to encourage you with that that news. If you're turning to other things all the time, you have a Savior out there who died so that you could have a sound mind. We may not turn to soothsayers, witches, or necromancers for answers nowadays, but when we put value on what other people say about the things of life over what God says, we have created an idol in our heart. We don't need to worry about our future. It is in God's hands, and He will see us through to the end. If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at Calvary Chapel Orlando at 407-523-0800 during our office hours Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will, a ministry of Calvary Chapel Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word.